If you love all things gardening, why not join us at our Spring Fair from the 3rd to the 5th of May at Bewley in Hampshire. You'll find everything you need to kickstart the season. Find out more at bbcgardenersworldfair.com. See you there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show, because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Hello, I'm Lily and I'm a content creator here at BBC Gardener's World magazine. I garden on my full floor balcony and I love finding new ways to embrace gardening in a small space and at height. I'm always inspired by what Jason Williams, a.k.a. The Cloud Gardener, is up to. He gardens on his 18th floor balcony in Manchester City Centre. I started by asking him why he decided to turn his balcony into his cloud garden. So Jason, first up, I would like you to tell me about that moment when you'd never gardened and you looked out your window at your balcony and did something flick in your mind what happened to make you decide to turn your balcony into your cloud garden well i just moved into the property during the lockdown and the the balcony was so big and it just looked so bare so barren and so i <laughs> i decided let me just go and get something just just to brighten up a little bit. And I ended up with a couple of marigolds. But because the balcony is so long, it just looked out of place. And so I decided to go back the next day to the garden centre to go and get 
one or two more plants and it just kind of escalated. But I think as gardeners, we just kind of do that. Things accidentally fall into the basket, as I say. (laughs) And then, yeah, the garden just expanded. (laughs) And did you have an interest before? Had you had house plants or was it a completely new venture? I think at that point I didn't have house plants. Um, So it it was a complete new venture i i had done gardening before with my grandmother um when i was a, when i was a child so that's like one of my youngest memories of gardening but once i started to live on my own as as a young adult i never i've never to this day lived in somewhere that that had a garden which is really strange but um <laughs> yeah i've always lived in in apartments in city centers it was something that i felt maybe I should explore a little bit of on my own balcony whilst whilst um, I had the opportunity because during lockdown everything had kind of slowed down and I was on furlough there was there was literally nothing else to do so I, I yeah I decided to then explore it. And what was your approach did you um, buy loads of books and try to learn horticulture was it a hit and miss approach as you were going along? <laughs> um, in in all seriousness, I got a lot of my info from social media um, and I was trying to find balcony content and I couldn't find it. So I then, you know, used your normal social media channels and it was really frustrating because I was doing everything that everybody said and my plants kept unaliving themselves and I couldn't work out what was going on. I was like, but... I did what so-and-so said, and it's just not not working. Um, and luckily, one of my one of my philosophies is to never give up. So um, I kind of applied that with gardening as well. And I was like, no, I, if if something is unaliving itself, I need to work out why and and really understand this because it became really frustrating. <laughs> um, and that's kind of when I began to learn about my garden having its own unique ecosystem and that my garden is actually different. And so I have to apply different types of logic. And once I started to get a handle of that, I began to see more and more success in the garden. And I think that's really, that was like probably one of my biggest milestones is realising that my space is different. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's such a different feast, isn't it? Gardening on a balcony, because I'm a fellow balcony gardener and (laughs) and very grateful to you for uh, giving balcony gardeners a platform I suppose because it's just as valid as any other space and in fact the challenges I think I quite like the challenges I'm slightly terrified of a day in some far off future when I (laughs) actually have a garden and have to work out how to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are the biggest different challenges you think when you're faced with balcony gardening so i think it it ranges i mean for me one of the one of the biggest issues is the sun so most people absolutely rejoice when they see that we're going to go through a sunny spell but for my balcony being 18 floors up and having glass railings it turns my balcony into a greenhouse and so i I can come home after a sunny day. It could be around about 25, 30 degrees on the ground level. My garden's around about 40. And I get home and my plants are just singed, scorched, turned to dust. (laughs) 
Um, and so, you know, you have to really think twice about your watering. So you're watering twice as much as as other people. Um, and then you hear lots about um, mulching normal gardens, but you don't hear people talking about mulching for containers. And, you know, that's something that I had to learn. No, I need to mulch all of my containers and make sure that there's that extra barrier. And it also it almost becomes scientific in a way. Um, and you move through slowly from gardening into the actual science of, of your little space. Um, so, you know, you've got the sun as a contender and then there's the wind. And I think the wind, the wind can be just as destructive as the sun. Um, simply, obviously, it could knock over your plants and pots, but it also saps the moisture out of the leaves and of the soil. And so... Um, you know, on the ground level, it could just be a normal day, but there could be a certain updraft from somewhere on your garden and, you know, your plants are are struggling. And then all of that struggling that your plants are doing then leads to pests. And so it's just a never-ending cycle. It's like constant problem solving. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely naively thought that you wouldn't have pests growing at height. It's amazing. (laughs) It's another challenge, isn't it, that we kind of have to intervene a bit more because we haven't got as much nature to help. I very much enjoyed your reel about carrying the compost up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole, especially if you're in a city, I don't have a car. So if I want to get compost and I know where it's come from and I know it's peat free, that is actually a really big challenge. It really is. And um, it's kind of... It's like the price that you have to pay in order to to have that peat free like garden is to you know you know that you're going to have to lug everything up. Same with all of your plants and everything. I think having a great compost is um, is like the foundation of of your garden as well. And, and I'm really lucky that I have my fish pond. Yes, I have a fish pond on my balcony. <laughs> but you know, I I will use that fish pond water to to fertilize the garden. So my my garden is pretty rich anyway, and then I've got my homemade compost. So when I get things right, the garden is super super productive. So yeah, it's trying to encourage and show people that they can they can have a productive garden as well. I think they might be surprised to hear that you can you can compost <laughs> on a balcony. Yeah. How does that work for you? So I go through all the normal stages. So, you know, we'll have the, the brown leaf litter in. And what, what I tend to do is whenever I do my pruning, that will all go into into this big pot that I have. And I've got holes in the side of the pot. And so um, I, I've got leaf litter that I'll add in. Then I've got my fresh stuff that I've put in. I put some kitchen scraps in. And I'll frequently turn it and add water, and over time it breaks down. And I've also got worms and slugs on the garden as well. <laughs> I don't know how they got there. I can only assume that they came in in a container from a nursery or something. But, you know, I found baby worms and slugs all over the garden, so they are obviously living their best lives. Um, but all of these things help me to break down the compost. But normally... I will get maybe one or two bags each year and I will just refresh my my existing compost with the new stuff and mix it all in together and maybe add in some worm castings and, yeah, and, and try and keep everything as sustainable as possible. Mm-hmm. Also, to stop me from having to <laughs> lug up 20 bags of compost. Up 18 floors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
you've reminded me of uh, people talk about bringing the outside in. But one of my most horrifying summer evenings in my flat was when I went to get a drink and I stood on a snail that had come in <laughs> off the balcony. <laughs> and I'm on the full floor and I was thinking, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Honestly, it, it happens. You know, um, I, I think I did a, a reel about this, but I one summer I'd fallen asleep on the sofa in my front room and I woke up and on my little coffee table there was a slug trail and it led all up to... Um, the fish food that was on my back, uh, that was on the on the table, and obviously it couldn't get in. But I was like, "This creature, <laughs> the absolute audacity! <laughs> You've eaten half my plants on my balcony. Now you want to come in and eat my fish food? Like, just leave me alone." I mean, the guts. <laughs> I think you should just give it to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and speaking of snails, yeah. how is Gary? Oh. Can you explain who Gary is? <laughs> Goodness sakes, this this snail. <laughs> <laughs> you do not know how many uh, DMs I get or messages. Oh, how's Gary today? <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, Gary is my lovely uh, pond snail. And he, <laughs> he, he's got quite the harem of girlfriends in my pond. But he's... <laughs> sounds insane. He has learned... <laughs> Uh, along with the fish that when I tap the side of the pond, it's feeding time. So wherever he is, um, he will then start walking on the surface of the water underneath. So like I can just see his little mouth opening and closing. And I'm like, OK, so you're hungry. But just recently, it turns out that uh, he's laid eggs with his girlfriend. And so now I've got a whole pond full of snail eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea what I'm going to do with them all. Somebody suggested that um, I give them away in my in my uh, houseplant and seed, seed swap events so they get a free <laughs> pond snail with, <laughs> with some seeds. But uh, yeah. I think you've got a side hustle there. <laughs> Start selling yeah. pond snails. Yeah, I need to go and see if I, I need a license to sell yeah, pond snails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And slightly going back to basics a mm. bit, but... Um, you're talking about your pond. So for my balcony, I couldn't do that because I don't have 
a very high weight limit. Yeah. Um, which is something you need to consider. Could you give people who are starting out with balcony gardening some of those things they need to think about in particular? Whenever I do a consultation meeting with somebody, whenever somebody asks me, you know, how to get started with balcony gardening, the first thing I'd always say is you need to double check with your building manager what the weight limit is of your balcony garden, of your balcony. Um, Because what you may not realise is um, some balconies are essentially clip-ons they're clipped onto the building whereas my balcony is an extension of the flooring uh, from my front room so my balcony can hold the same amount of weight as my front room Uh, but not everybody else um, has that luxury so it's definitely worth having that conversation and the other thing as well is some building managers will have different rules on what you can and cannot have on your balcony so although you may have the weight limit they may say that they don't want any water features on Um, they may have rules on what you can have on your railings uh, what you can have held up on the balcony there's lots of different rules and and some gardens that I've done consultation with the building managers even have their own color scheme that you have to use Yes, they can be really controlling, especially if you're if you live in some of the business districts. Like there are a couple of balconies that I've worked on in Manchester, um, within spinning fields. There's a color scheme that you have to stick to. Wow. Yeah, they can't be too bright. Yes, kind of be formal. So, yeah, and that's that's actually not really that's more common than you think. Um, that is that down to. Plant and flower colours. Yeah, so wow. they, they, they can make you choose like what, what plants you can have out there. Um, and sometimes it's part of your rental agreements. And so, yeah, it's, it's really tricky. I'm really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate that. I've got such a fickle approach to colour. <laughs> you and me both. Like, I, I just, what I love most about my garden is it's, it's an absolute mess and I love it. Like, there's no coordination. There's no... I, I'm a, such a lazy gardener. I love watching things just grow. If volunteer seeds and plants come up, they come up. Like, I absolutely love that. And do you grow much from seed? Yes. So, interestingly, I have not started my seed sowing um, up until yesterday. And that's because last year, I think it was April... We out of the blue, we had minus five or something like that. And um, it really wiped out quite a lot of my plants. And I've kind of felt that I was always on the back foot last year, uh, like trying to catch up. And it, it sounds really silly, but last year I learned a lesson. Uh, I tried to turn that whole experience into a positive because... You kind of feel sometimes when you buy plug plants from a garden centre that you are not a real gardener. And so I was wrestling with this dilemma thinking, oh, no, you know, I, I have to do everything from seed. And, but the reality is you don't. And that's also OK. And that's the thing. I think for, for non-gardening people, it's not until you see the end results and you're like, oh, actually, maybe it's not so bad. But but yeah, there's there's that there's that middle stage and so I I, I, I do grow from seed uh, as and when I can and this year I, I've well, like I said yesterday I started my seed sowing um, 
But what I did differently this year is I did all of my bare roots and all of my really hardy perennials. So they all started about a month, a month or so ago. And we're in early April uh, yes. at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're in April now. So the the aim is now I can start to transition some of my hardier plants out onto the balcony. And if there is a bit of frost throughout, you know, the beginning of April, those guys will be fine. And my seed starts will be indoors at this point anyway. So I, I technically shouldn't lose anything. That's <laughs> that's, that's the plan. The plan yeah. <laughs> but as we all know, <laughs> something will come along. So do you get frost on your plants up on the 18th floor? So I'm normally I'm normally lucky in that when it is frosty, the glass protects the garden as it as a cold frame would until it gets to minus one, minus two. And and once it gets to minus five, that's it, everything is gone. Mm. (laughs) Normally, I'm able to harvest my tomatoes on Christmas Day. So, you know, (laughs) it's like a little gardening superpower. Yeah. All of these crazy things. Um, (laughs) Which sometimes, it it makes me laugh because sometimes with with gardening, um, everyone has their own ideas on what works and what should work. And I remember when I first started sharing content on my social media platforms, I used to get people going, oh, well, you shouldn't start this now, you shouldn't do this now. And and I'm like, but you don't know my space. You don't mm. know the first thing about it, actually. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, the, the, then people are surprised that I'm able to extend my seasons or start my seasons a bit earlier and do different things. And I'm like, yeah. So one of the things, for example, is I, I don't I don't really have spring on my garden because the temperatures rise so quickly that for me, um, you know, a, a 15 degree day, sunny day, that was like 25 degrees on my garden. And so it just accelerates the growth of everything. So a lot of my, my hollyhocks, my grapevines are now um, coming along. My my two-meter roses are going crazy. And I'm like, guys, slow down. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Got a while to go yet. Save yourself. Honestly. Yeah, it's always a juggling act, isn't it? And I think I need to learn to be a bit more ruthless because I have a very small balcony and I have probably about five pots just full of cyclamen because yeah. they spread. But they're beautiful and they flower for months and months and months, especially as you're saying, we don't have seasons in quite the same way, I yeah. don't think, in that space. Yeah. Um, but it means that I can't grow other things in those yes. pots. Yeah. So I think I, I might have to get rid of some, <laughs> <laughs> give them away. It's so scary, the thought of it. But like that, like that's that's kind of the level that you get to. And then then you realise, so my one of my things I'm, I'm going to be showing on my YouTube channel this year is, um, is including more perennials in just to make gardening even easier um, and lazier. There's <laughs> <laughs> a theme. There's <laughs> a theme. Just, just I, all I want is to just let the garden just take care of itself, let things get bigger each year, but, you know, it, it, let it just do its own thing. But, but the more, obviously, the more perennials that you put in, the less work that you have to do, and then, then the less things that you can buy to put in. Mm. I say this now, but 
I will still go to the garden centre and find new ways to buy things and then try and find new ways to squeeze things in. So <laughs> You will, yeah. It doesn't stop. <laughs> You're in now. <laughs> Literally. That's when I start to think, oh, okay, so I've run out of floor space. Now, how can we get some more vertical growing in? <laughs> Hence the two giant rose arches on the garden. I love them, though. They give it such structure. and Yes, and you know, so originally, I can't remember... So that that was a learning curve for me because I was obsessed with this idea of having these rose arches, but I I couldn't afford at the time to have roses on there. And so I was just trialing and erroring and seeing what would grow up there. And I started, I think, with, with passion fruit vines um, and a couple of other things. And lots of things actually didn't work um, because it's so windy and they... They were, although they were exposed, they just didn't enjoy that. Passion fruits being a prime example, they started my passion fruit vine, Tim. Yeah, I. <laughs> oh, for goodness sakes. Gary, yeah. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I do have a problem naming all my plants. Like, so my house plants have names, and then some of the big statement plants have got names. Um, but the the Tim, he grows. He grows horizontally along the balcony behind the glass. And then he had vines that grew up the rose arch. And it was really interesting to me because he actually dropped all of his leaves along the rose arch, but kept everything behind the glass. And I was like, wow, if there was ever a way for you to tell me that you're miserable, uh, this is it. And so I ended up moving him to a different trellis um, behind the pond against the wall and last year he was he was flowering and fruiting so I was like okay back to the microclimate of this garden I need to pay attention to that because the plants are literally telling me (laughs) they are not happy yeah um but you know I had some roses on the garden they were doing just fine and in actual fact I brought the roses from my Chelsea show garden back onto the cloud garden and they're they they were really really ropey um I, I could only assume that actually during Chelsea we had quite the heat wave, so they were stressed anyway. And then they they had to come in a van all the way up to Manchester, and so they never really recovered. So I I was sh- not sure if they were going to make it, but they've bounced back this year. They've they've gone absolutely crazy, and so you know I now know that they I, my rose arches are going to be fine with roses. So I'm like, okay, bingo, job done. <laughs> And that's just telling of how important patience can be in the yeah. garden. Because some people might have just got rid of those roses straight away and said, well, it's not working, I'm exactly. done. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's kind of one of my things. So um, I, I have this area on my balcony called the struggle bus area. It's huge <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, it's, it's, at the moment, it's taking up around about a third of the garden. Um but I put anything in there that that is not doing too well. And I'm like, no, come on, guys. Let me just give you a bit of extra care and we'll see what happens. Um, because as I said earlier, like, I, I hate giving up and I hate giving up on plants. Um, because sometimes, sometimes it could just be they don't like that position and you just move them slightly. It could be 30 centimetres and they're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is fine. And so you can end up wasting a whole load of plants when in actual fact... You know they will come back, and so I've got quite a few in there 
now. I've mixed them all up. I didn't label them, so I've got no idea what's what. So now it's like a real guessing game to see what's coming back. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that, that's that's one of my favourite parts of my garden is, is the struggle bus area and seeing seeing what's going to come back. And I think people listening, the amount we've talked about, they will think, gosh, his balcony must cover half of Manchester sticking out the side of his flat. <laughs> what are the actual dimensions? Uh, it's around about a metre and a half wide and around about seven metres long. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty long, but, um, but, but I'm kind of a big believer in not seeing any bare soil in my comp- in my containers. I, I really hate it. And so I know when you see a seed, you'll appreciate this. So you'll see a seed packet and it will say, oh, um, plant plant um, you know, 10 centimetres uh, apart. And you're like, well, I've got a container. So if I was to do that, I would have no space for anything. So... I, I ha- I'll have like three or four different plants in. I'll, I'll make sure that it looks really full. Um, and they'll just have to fight it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the completely wrong way of gardening. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they will work and they will find a way. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the compost that I'm using is, is obviously really rich because it's, it's homemade. It's, it's broken down. I've got insects in there. I've got, they're getting that extra fertilization from, from the fish pond water. So, you know, they're actually really, they, they do really well. But the downside to that, um, squishing everything in is when you do get a pest outbreak, it spreads really, really quickly. If I was to grow something like a tomato or, um, you know, or a brassica, a, a broccoli, it will get its individual pot. I I may, may grow something sacrificial with it, you know, some um, nasturtiums or or some herbs or something just to get the, so the aphids go for that. But yeah, there are, there are a couple of, a couple of plants where I say, no, you can have your own part, but everything else, <laughs> fend for yourself, guys. <laughs> and it's pretty incredible for me how much you've learned in such a short space of time to go from nothing <laughs> to this, <laughs> not to mention your success around it and building a career out of it as yeah. well. But what does it, what does your balcony actually mean to you beyond the kind of success it's brought you? Is it, what is it at its core that it does for you? So for me, my, my balcony is is a kind of a place of refuge. So if I'm having a bad mental health day, which it can be pretty often at times, um, it's somewhere where I will go to just uh, go and shut down. And I will normally, all my thoughts go out my head and I'm just you know, looking around for what wildlife I'm finding on my garden, what what's new, what what buds are coming through, um, what can I learn in the garden today, and just having that that bit of time away from technology and away from everything else is really really therapeutic. And um, the, the difficulty I have now is that is where I film most of my content, so I have to try and get the balance of creating the content for social media but also making sure that I'm preserving myself and my own space but the reason why I, I I go out and I have my social media platforms and I go out and do workshops or I go out and and do talks and appear on tv shows and that kind of thing is because there are people out there 
who were like me three years ago who would never have thought to use their balcony like that. And so I think, wow, if I can just reach one person and they get to have the same experience therapeutically, you know, that that could really help somebody. And so that's the driving force behind me and what, what I do is to give somebody else the same ability that they can go out and and you know, create their own space and have their, their own little refuge. It's amazing that we can create these spaces when we're in urban environments. Yeah. But yeah, there are unique issues. Yes. With that in mind, I definitely do have a pipe dream of having a house with a garden. Yes. One, is that your dream as well? Or are you cloud gardener? Who would the cloud gardener be if he wasn't in the clouds? So this is this is a conversation that I'm I've been having uh, now because I've I've got to a stage in my life where I'm over living in the city centre. Um, it used to be great for work. It used to be great going out partying and having the accessibility to go and do all these all of these things. But I just want to be by the sea, away from everybody, <laughs> with a dog, and have a lovely garden. Like I'm, I'm over it now. <laughs> so I think there, there will be a point probably soon that that I call it quits. But, um, but you know, I've got this bank of experience now, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that my balcony gardening stops. So, you know, I can still do jobs for people. I can still do consultations, um, and in that way, I think I'll be quite happy because I get to go and be by myself in, in you know, in. <laughs> by the sea and then travel into the city work on the balconies and then go back home but I'm also excited at, at having a bit more space and seeing what what skills I have that can be translated uh, onto ground level gardening so for example if I, if I do end up living somewhere by the sea it's pretty much similar conditions in terms of wind anyway um, so it's like, well, this is what I've learned here. Can that? Can I apply that now to the ground level? So for me, it's a really fascinating uh, next step. And I think anyone who follows me on social media, I think that they, I think that's a really interesting thing. I think everyone would be like, oh, how is he going to do this? Because I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what is so lovely about you and your ethos and how you garden is that. We get it wrong, we experiment, we try yeah. things, but you're very honest about it. And I think there can be quite a lot of... Um, Fakeness. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of the right way to say what I'm trying to say. I'll, I'll just say, ask me, yeah. like, I'll, I'll be the evil person. No, honestly, because you're, you're going to social media and then everybody's like, everyone shows their perfect garden yeah. and oh, look at this. And you've got all of these quick transitions to these these people with their perfect seeds and I'm like listen I planted these seeds and I don't know what I've done but they're all dead <laughs> but that's like it's actually normal yeah. <laughs> like, it happens to everybody so why people choose not to show that on social media I don't know but but what I found for myself when I first started was you know, I was constantly trying to compare myself to these people and you know I was getting so upset that I couldn't you know grow lettuce for example from seed and and and, and it made me feel bad. And then there'll be people out there who think that they don't have a green thumb. And you're like, no, there's, there's a really simple solution. Sometimes it could be that um, you've decided to grow everything from seed and you've put your plants on a really sunny w windowsill, which is what everybody on social media tells you to do. But sometimes those windowsills are far too sunny and they will 
fry up your little seedlings. And in actual fact, one of the learning lessons is rather than it being, uh, you know, a super sunny windowsill, you want one that gets moderate sunlight. And for those of us who live in apartments, what what other people might not know is that we have normally floor to ceiling windows. And so on a sunny day, your whole apartment is so hot. And it's, if you live higher then heat rises so not only have you got the sun coming in and turning your your whole front room into a, a, um, a greenhouse you've also got the heat rising from all the apartments below you and then you've just put your seedlings on the sunniest windowsill that you have they were never going to stand a chance but nobody explains this stuff not everything is perfect and you know it's about for me it's it's things don't go well working out why they didn't go well and then explaining it on social media so that that if you are following, if you do have similar growing conditions to me, you understand why. And so you think, okay, let me try again and let me try a different window. Voila, you've mm. got you've got a ton of seedlings. And how much more satisfying is it when it goes well, when you've worked for it and you've learned, you've learned yeah. along the way? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it brings more meaning into, into the, those some of those plants. And the other thing I, I've learned is, you know, Okay, you may have grown some of these plants from seed and not everything has worked, but there will always be one or two plants that did work from that same batch. And you think, okay, rather than being upset that, you know, three of them unalived themselves, two of them have survived, which means that they genetically are are two that are going to be strong enough to, to survive in your garden. So it's like survival of the fittest essentially that these are the ones that you want to keep and and if ever there was a plant to get seeds from these two are so strong then natural fact i've now got my own collection of of cloud seeds mm. that are going to work next year cloud seeds <laughs> i love that mm. <laughs> <laughs> trademark <laughs> No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, as I said when we met at Chelsea last year, a big thank you for raising the voices of balcony gardeners and, and bringing us into the arena. And I know that there was a big wider move for small spaces and balconies being celebrated, but I think your voice is so wonderful and so open and honest and it's refreshing in an industry, as we said, that can feel unobtainable or too aspirational um so thank you so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me (laughs) thanks for listening to the bbc gardeners world magazine podcast subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode if you've enjoyed this episode please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app